Thanks for joining us at White Oak for this week's podcast. As we look at how God's servants applied that confidence in their walk with him. Our prayer is that this will encourage and strengthen your walk. So here we go. Welcome you again, however you view us, however you come to get to know us, either by CD every Sunday or either by uh, streaming or either by being here in the sanctuary this morning. We thank you for being with us. You notice our, our, our new schedule is we start at 9 every Sunday morning, and then we go from 9 till 10, 10 to 10.30, and then from 10.30 until. We don't stop. We float. All the way through our services, we flow. We never stop. We go into one segment to, to another one. But we're glad to have you here with us today as we worship the Lord together. I want him to do that last part of that song, The Good, Good Father, again, because it says... He is perfect in all of his ways. He is perfect in all of his ways. Johnson in his class this morning was teaching on Abraham. Abraham is known as the father of many nations. But you know, Abraham, even though he offered up Isaac as a sacrifice to the Lord and found himself righteous in the eyes of God, Abraham sinned. He lied. He sold his wife a little short one day unto the king to protect his own life because she was so beautiful. So then therefore Abraham lied. Lot, on the other hand, was one... As we begin to look at him, we see that he had raised his children up in the ways of the Lord and that daily he offered a sacrifice unto the Lord in case maybe or something or other may have gone on or happened that day in their life. But yet a great storm came and through that great storm uh, they died. And then we can go to Noah. We can talk about Noah, how Noah saved his entire family on the ark. You know, eight people saved on the ark. He he, he was a great dad, great, great father Noah was because he gave and shared protection. But after they got off the ark and back on land again, what does he do but go out and get drunk and reveals his nakedness unto his sons, which consecrated into trouble. Now all of these characters, and I could go on and on this morning, but there's more of the message I want to share with you today uh, because I want to talk to you about a father, a man. They're, they're inseparable. And what happened in these men's lives were they, they were good men, but they weren't perfect men. Uh, fathers, men of God, you're not perfect. You know, only God is perfect. And that's why Jesus, as my wife was sharing earlier with you, when we pray, we pray to Abba, Father. And how did Jesus teach us to pray? He taught us to pray not to Abraham, not, not to Noah, not to Peter, not to Mary, not anybody, but... When we pray, he says, we pray, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father's in heaven. And yet it's as if he lives with us every day. We could talk to our Father every day. He is only a voice away. He's only a whisper away because our Father sent the Holy Spirit into our lives. He dwells in us to empower us that we may talk with him regularly, every, every, every day. And I'll prove that to you this morning in the book of Matthew, the 17th chapter. I have only one text for you today, and make it kind of simple. This is Father's Day. You know, yesterday was the longest day of the year. Summer began. And lo and behold, we drop on Father's Day the day afterwards. So this is Father's Day, and I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to do something special with your dad today. And some of us, our dads have gone on. But you know what? As my wife said earlier, we cherish those memories. They'll go with us on the other side where we will see them again one day and we will be with not only our heavenly father, we'll also be with our earthly father. We will meet again, praise the Lord. In the book 
this morning, St. Luke, the 17th chapter. Draw with me to verse 20. And when, and when he was deemed of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Everybody looking for a sign. You know, everybody looking for a sign. I've just started this uh, new series of teaching I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to get started on on Wednesday night talking on how to become a successful person, successful minister, church member, what, how to become a successful. You know, the number one wrong answer to that that everybody's looking for that thinks that they'll bring success in their life, you know what the number one wrong answer is? Money. Money will not bring you success. So in other words, what Jesus is saying here, in order to get into the kingdom of God, it cometh not by observation. Now look at this next verse. This is my verse this morning, 21. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Is within you, fathers. Men of God, it is within you. Whatever your son or daughter needs, whatever your wife needs, whatever the person you work with every day on the job needs, it is in you. Now, it is through observation. It's through by looking upon you that will they will find what God is having them search for. So our Father in heaven, through you and I, that's what he says in verse 21. Look what it says. The kingdom of God is within you. Remember when the Holy Spirit came into your life? He came within you. He's not on the outside of you. He's not here at church this morning. You know, you didn't come here and pick him up this morning. You brought him with you. You know, you don't find him somewhere on the job Monday morning. When you roll out of bed, men, you take him with you. He is within you. So what makes a good father? What makes a good father is listening sensitive to the voice that is within you because it is Abba Father, it is our Lord God Almighty that came into our hearts and lives, into our spirit, and speaks to us every day. So this morning, I would like to speak to the fathers because today on this day, I want to talk to you about building the kingdom of God, building the family that God wants you to have, building the business God wants you to have, building the home that God wants you to have, being the man that can build for the Lord in whatever area that you, you may be in. And I want you to know that there is a cry today in our nation for men, for fathers like you. You'd have to be blind, deaf, not to be able to realize that there is a cry in our nation right now. There is a looking for good men. When, you when your feet... Every morning, fathers, men of God, every morning when your feet hit the floor, does the devil say, oh my, he's up again. Do you affect the devil that badly? Does he dread for you to get up every morning to go to work, to come to church, to go to the grocery store, to go out and get a, a tank of gas? You know, you can find some very interesting people at the gas pump, gentlemen. You know, I went there one day in a hurry. 
always in a hurry because that teaches you how to slow down. And I went there in a hurry one day, and there was a car, and it's the only pump I could get to. Now, isn't that something? We've got like seven lines of pumps, two on each line, back and forth on each side. And the only one I can get to is the one that somebody's sitting in, and they're blocking the one behind it. And I, that wouldn't help me either because I had to pull all the way up because of what I had behind my vehicle. So here I pull up. Here is this individual stopped at the one up front like they should have done. That's good. But they're not in the automobile. And I look, and all the pumps are full. I mean, everybody, and I just can't go to any pump. I got to get it. And I wait, and I wait, and I sit there, and I time. And five minutes goes by. Three more minutes goes by. And all of a sudden, he shows up. And he shows up with his little boy, and they fumble around unlocking the car to get in the car to go. And so they spent about probably 12 15 minutes blocking that, that lane to get gas, which is not a problem, I guess, if they had all those other pumps. It's just only one. Well, the story is when I pull up there to get gas, I go to put my card in, and there's a Christian card, a little witness card stuck in there that he had left there. Now, the first thought that came to my mind is I wish, I, I wish he was still here I give it back to him and tell him, uh, hey, bud, you know you spent 15 minutes, you wasted 15 minutes of my time, then you slid your card in there to let me know that you are a Christian. You take that story any way you want to. I'm just relating to you as fathers, as men of God, you run into situations every day that you have to deal with, how do you handle it? Do you handle them that the devil hates to see you get up and get out of bed every morning? He hates to see what's going to happen through your life every day because you are such an influence in your family, in your community, in your church, in your area that he, dare, he just hates to see you get up every morning and go to work because he knows that you're going to do something good. Oh, my, he's up this morning. I wish he was sick and in bed. When you step out of your door... Fathers, men of God, each day, does heaven, does earth, and even hell itself take notice that you are a man that relies on God? When you get up every day, are the angels in heaven applauding you, saying, Woo, there he goes again. Is earth, is earth applauding you because you are the good example? For someone today is hell disturbed because they know that you're going to take someone out of the clutches of Satan. They're going to be delivered from sin. The kingdom of God is in you, my friend. That's what Jesus said right here in verse 21 of Luke 17. The kingdom of God is not in this church building this morning. It's not somewhere you'll find it when you go on the job next week. The kingdom of God is not in some book that you are reading. The kingdom of God is in you. And how do we react to that? Your children look up to you in confidence, do they? Your wife looks up to you because you protect her, therefore she does not resist what you say. They better spend a few minutes on that one. Other men look up to you because they would love to be like you. 
They wish they had your way of life. They wish that their, their marriage was like your marriage. They wish that they could come to work and be like you. They wish that you were a cool dude, you know. They wish, and they look and say, you are. Now, I wish I could be like that man every day as you go out. Your church looks at you for strength and leadership, fathers, men of God. You are a champion in your society because you are the one that supports good and speaks against evil. Your understanding that serving God, you understand it's not easy to serve the Lord. It's not easy to be a Christian, but you realize it's worth it. You are a man that realizes that you may be talked about today when you go out because the devil knows that you are on the room again. He is acknowledging to all his workers that you out on the streets again this day. You're going to work today and you are in good physical shape today. And what he is troubled by today is that you're out there to usher in good to do away with evil and that you're the type of a man, you're that father that said, it's worth whatever I have to go through to be a Christian. It's whatever it takes. In other words, you dominate. You dominate all opposition that rises against you every day. And brother, you know it's there. You see it every day. You see resistance as, as you meet it, no matter what your occupation is, whether you're married or not married, whether you have children or don't have children, you meet resistance every day. It's just a friction of the enemy to set you on fire, to burn you up and consume you so you will not acknowledge God in your life. But yet God has given us another fire in our life that has consumed us, burned out all the chaff that's in our life, that all we have left in us now is God. You, zero. You, zero in. You're not a zero. You are number one with God. And you zero in on one purpose. And that purpose that you zero in is advancing God's kingdom, winning souls at any cost, helping the misfortunate, blessing those that you meet every day because God has blessed you so that you may bless others. Love others each day because somebody loved you when you weren't worth loving. And if nobody in this world loves you, my brother and sister, I want you to know, man of God, God loves you. He proved his love for you. He sent his very best for you. He died for you and rose again. He showed his love for you. And your one purpose is to advance that love that God, according to verse 21, right here, I see it again, is in you. The love of God that is in you. Let me talk to the fathers of men just a little. I'm not really a football fan. I'm not really much of any kind of sports fan. I've mingled around a little bit with some of it. You know, there's some I like more than others, but most men know about football. I know a little bit about football. What I really know about football was I got a chance to date my wife, and every Friday night we go to a football game. And you notice how much football I watched. Okay, I'll go on from there. 
some of you are still sleeping this morning. It's, it is 11.07 and it's time to wake up. It's time, men, to realize, are you a man or are you a mouse? So let's get back in football. As we talk about football, in football, there are three, every game, there are three teams on the field every game. Three teams. One team that we don't notice that's on the field that's very important and keeping there from being chaos is the officials. In our world we're living in, there are two teams. Righteous, unrighteous, good and bad. The devil's team and the Lord's team. There is an official in this game, which is really a war, and it is the Word of God. And he gave us the opportunity to be a player and also to become an official. But we must read the rule book and keep it right. On, in those three teams, in every game, there's not one game that's played without all three teams because, again, it would not be a game. It would be a fight. And in this playing of this game, they are the two teams that are on the field and they're the fans that are up in the stands. And they're up there cheering on their team. So you've already got some opposition because these two teams are opponents. You've already got some opposition in this world that you're in because not everybody is a Christian. Remember, you and I weren't one once. And we were on the other team and we thought that we were winning and we were always yelling at the officials because we knew they didn't call the plays fair. That third team wouldn't be there, but they are the officials. And what makes the officials different, that third team, is the NFL has selected them. And what makes them different is the NFL has given them a book to go by. And they're on that field committed to the NFL, not to please the fans that's in the stands, not to please any one of the players, whichever team it may be, but they're there to satisfy the NFL rule book. You and I are left on this earth not to please the fans that's around us and really not to please either one of the teams. And remember, we're on one of those teams. But we're there to please our Father who is in heaven. We're there to do what he... When we hit this field, and the earth is our field that we are not playing on, we are at war on. If you ever watch football, it's like a war going on. Tear his head off. Knock him down, stomp him. Is that the best you can do? Break his leg. Knock the air out of him. Kill him, you know. I've been to enough games to realize that your opponent don't want you to win. And that's why the devil is so afraid when you get up in the morning is because you are a father, man of God, a real player. 
and you're out there. You're out there to eat dust. You're out there maybe to get your arm broken or shoulder dislocated. You're out there that whatever it takes to win that person. Not me, preacher. You got you, you're talking to somebody else, you know. You see, one thing about these officials, this third team that's on the field, they can't lie. They can't lie about either team they may like or dislike. They can't lie to their fans that's up in the attic, in the, in the uh, stands, cheering on their team because they have pledged allegiance to the NFL playbook. Now, the sad thing is this book, that's got guidelines and rules and regulations governs that entire game. My friend, I want you to know this morning that this book that's got rules and guidelines in it and regulations governs our everyday life. There's not one day, man of God, that you get up that you should not, that you should not listen to the Holy Spirit that is within you talking to you. If you are a father and you have to deal with your children or your wife, oh, that never happens. You should never do it outside of the Word of God. You should always get directions from that still, small voice that speaks within you. And the same is true with your children and with your wife also. Because any time that that official, that third team, begins to satisfy the fans and do what the fans want them to do or become prejudiced and does whatever one of the other teams want and makes a bad call. They become just a fan. They lose their place on the third team. And brother and sister, any time that you or I, man of God, any time that you or I buckle down to Satan or to man and follow the ways and ideas and thoughts of men rather than God, we're no better than they are. If we walk the ways of a sinner, we're no better than they are. And we lose our position as an official. We lose our position of leadership. We lose our position of being the father God called us to be the man of leadership that God called us to be. Anytime that we, we, we may go to church, call ourselves a Christian, but anytime that we listen to our enemy, to please our enemy or to please our friends or to please our family or whatever, we become no better than our enemy. No better, my friend. So then therefore, we lose our authority on the team. We lose our authority as a father, fathers. We lose our authority as a leader in the church, a leader in our home and in our community. We are at war. And the stakes of this war is very high. You can win or you can even lose a football game and you can go on and play again. You can lose the final game in the playoffs, and still play again another year. But the game that you and I are playing, what makes it different is it's a war, and we are in a war games. 
And we can't afford to play around because the stakes of war are very high. Every one of our players, and let me give you an even better picture, even every one of those other ones that are not our players yet, that we want to have them on our team. Not because they would be a great quarterback or fullback or blocker, but because our rule book says they need to be on our team. Their rule book says they are a MVP. We need that most valuable player on our team. When Billy Graham was saved, nobody never knew that he would be an MVP in evangelism, but he was. Nobody knows what you'll become. That is left up to you, my friend. But I'm here to tell you, as a, being a good father or a good man of God, a kingdom builder, the stakes are very, very high. We cannot afford to lose because if we lose, then those we're trying to reach, they lose also. Because we're out there to shape somebody's eternity. Not one game, not just this life. We're on this field of life and we're playing as officials to shape somebody's eternity. Not just while they are here on this earth for 21, 51, 91, 101 years, but to shape them for eternity. Destination will be discovered or it will be dismissed. They will find out the young man or young woman that they are supposed to be or by us not reacting and making the right call in their life, by not listening to the one that lives in us, according to verse 21, the kingdom of God is within you, then they will lose their destination in life, their calling in life, and they will be dismissed. They will belong to the enemy. Their, their dreams that they have always had, we've all had them, you still, I hope, have dreams. No matter how old you are, you still should have dreams. Their dreams, when they're younger, though, can be attained or they can be re relinquished. In other words, they can receive them or they can lose them. Jesus didn't ask you to be a fan. He asked you to be a player. He didn't ask you to be a fan because Jesus already, he already got a lot of fans. He didn't ask you to be a fan. When he called you out in this world, he asked you to be a player. He asked you to be on the third team. He asked you to be an official because let me tell you something. Every Sunday morning, Jesus has got plenty of fans in his churches. Plenty of fans with emotions, Plenty of fans that's going to be preaching. Plenty, 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 plenty of fans that's going to be teaching. Plenty of fans that's going to be applauding. Plenty of fans that's going to be singing. Plenty of fans that's going to be worshiping. But God's got plenty of fans. He wants some players. He wants you to be a player. He wants you to get in the midst of this game. And when you get up the scene, when you get up to preach, you get up to teach. When you show up to church to worship, he wants that enemy to say, oh, my Lord, he's up again today. He's not going to be there just to be a fan today. 
He's there to learn something. He's there to listen to that voice that is within him that's, that's going to be stirred today. I'm worried about what he's going to learn. I'm worried about what that father's going to learn in church. I'm worried about what that man of God is going to learn in church today. I'm really disturbed by that. Because, you know, you're not a fan. You've been called out to be one of God's team players. Jesus is looking for me and fathers to carry out the agendas that he has, that's opening every, every day. Guidelines, agendas and guidelines in a world that has got crisis. And brothers and sisters, if you watch the news one minute any night, our world is in a crisis. Our churches have been stirred and torn and uprooted, even like the secular things of the world has been done. Everything has been touched by this crisis. We've got a greater crisis than this. There's a greater crisis than dying, my friend. The greatest crisis is dying without God, without the blood of Jesus. The greatest crisis is standing before the white throne judgment and not the judgment seat of Christ. The greatest crisis is that we have family and friends and even strangers we haven't even met yet that are dying every day and literally they're missing heaven. And there's no hope. There not to be another game for them. This may be the last message I preach, the last message you hear to. This may be the last service you're in. We don't know, my friend. Had a funeral last week, had a funeral this week, got a funeral next week. All the way from 21 to 75. See, God's no respecter of person. You and I are players on this team that God has set us in. We must do what we do for the glory of God because the Holy Spirit that lives within us, the kingdom of God is within us, Jesus said. we got to exhibit it everywhere we go because tomorrow it may be too late for someone else. A good father won't put off chastising his son tomorrow. A good man won't put off what God called him to do today. Because the mar may never come. Because we the church are dealing not with Monday through Sunday, my brothers and sisters. Fathers, we're dealing with each day one at a time. And we're not promised tomorrow. God is looking for men of God that will stand up in this crisis and make a difference. And what I've seen on the news, what I just try to watch it about five minutes. Sometimes even less than that. A few times a week. One or two times is all i got to see it. And I know we are in a crisis. Our field that we're playing on is earth. We get our instructions from the Word of God through the Holy Spirit. It is our rule book. And we cannot alter, we cannot change it. Because if we do, he said our part will be taken out. We would just become a fan. And the sad thing about that is we become a fan that somebody saw us in church one day and said, well, if it wasn't important to him, it's not important to me. If it wasn't important to him as a father to go to church and learn about the Lord and show himself, then it's not important to me either. Our field is this earth. This is not our dwelling place, this sanctuary. This is a gathering place. We have to make the right call. Men of God, we, can't, we cannot fail. We have to make the right call. You want to be like 
by everybody? I promise you, if you are a Christian, you will not be liked by everybody. I promise you, if you make the right call in life, you cannot satisfy everybody. You will never be able to please everybody. So that's why we're to be the God-pleasers. That's why we are to please our Lord God Almighty. That's why we're not to listen to man or woman, but we're to listen to the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be like everybody else, or do you want to be like God wants you to be? Because I promise you, if you'll watch it very carefully, the cries that, we're, that we are hearing, they've been coming from our homes. They've been coming from our schools. They've been coming from our neighborhoods, from our, our state, from our nation. It's, it is not only nationally, but it's worldwide. And how can we help our nation if we can't help our community? And how can we help our community if we can't even help our own family? Never has our nation stood in such a desire need as it stands in right. And we have been in war and rumors of wars. And he said they're going to continue on. But we are in a desire need today because they gather about a thousand and yet they want to tear down everything and destroy everything. Jesus did not come to tear down. Jesus came to build. And he said when he built, there would be things that are torn down. There will be fathers separated from family. Family separated from fathers. Because when we answer the cry, we're answering the voice of God and we're not answering our nation. We're not answering our community. We're not listening to our family. We're raising our family in the ways of the Lord. We're raising our nation in the ways of the Lord. It's everywhere. And I want you to know this morning, when we answer the cry, we got to rule well. There's no room for crooked officials. It's everywhere. It's the Lord that's in charge. Without good fathers, without good men, women, children, dreams that they had will be snuffed out. A nation that is arise to be successful will be snuffed out. In order to raise their children, to become the leaders that they need to be, then we have to be the men of God in the home and community. We need to be. A father needs to be a father. A father will never be a mother. Well, there are so much distractions today from mothers trying to raise children without a father inspiration. You know why? Because it takes the two of them to make a child. And it also takes the two of them to raise a child. A mother was never intended to be more than a mother, and a father was never intended to be a mother, but he was intended to be a father. A good, honest provider, not a deadbeat. When a man becomes a husband, becomes a father, he has doubled in his providing. When he falls in love, he is obligated to honor, cherish, and to provide for his bride, who is now his wife. And when they come together intimately and have a child or children, then they are to become providers. 
He is to become the provider. Now, don't get me wrong. I did not object my wife working and, be, and taking some of the load. That was her choice. But it helped us in raising our children, in providing for our children, and for us having a family as we should. We don't need no deadbeat dads. We already have our cities are filled with deadbeat dads who knows how to produce a child but don't know how to raise a child. They don't know how to father a child. They have no desire in fathering a child. They have no desire. What I mean by that is bringing them in subjection to leadership through by the word of God. Yes, they will lay with a woman, but they don't want to go with what comes afterwards. That was a problem even with Abraham when he sinned again. You see, we're, we may be followers with God. We may have our name in the book of heaven, in the Lamb's book of life, but we're still not perfect men, fathers. We still are in the game to be a leader, a provider. God wants people. He wants men that will keep a job. God can't and God won't use lazy people. He never has. He never will use a lazy person. He can't. Because our minds must be focused on God. Our heart has to be sold out to God. Our spirit needs to be bonded with the spirit of God. And lazy people won't take time enough to read the word of God and listen to what the spirit of the Lord says. Fans are looking, even demanding, for the right call to be made. Both teams are shouting out, their fans are shouting out calls. Hey, dummy, did you miss that? Hey, you, are you blind? Did you not see that? The world is waiting for the officials to make a call. It's crying out and screaming and saying, make that call. Are you blind? Can't you see what our problem is? Step in there and make a change. Make a difference. The third team is battling in a midst of chaos. Our world is in chaos today. We're not walking into a beautiful place. We're walking into a disturbed world today. And we got to make the call. We got to announce it to the world. And it starts in the family. It's God first of all. Our nation needs God. Women need a godly man. Children need a godly father. It takes God to rule and reign. Every nation that is ruled and reigned without God has fallen. When Israel put God on her outside, she failed. The Bible says even the very presence of the Lord helps us in our times of troubles. You represent the king, fathers. You are the king of your household. And your wife will treat you like a king if you act like a king. My wife treats me like a king. She says something now to me that I thought I'd never hear her say. Why don't you come in and take a nap? You work too hard today. Take it easy. You and I have responsibilities as being on the third team. And those responsibilities will not deplenish if we realize 
who gives those responsibilities to us. The kingdom of God. Man has the authority to rule this earth. Did you know that? God gave man. Fathers have the authority to rule because the kingdom of God comes with instructions. Instructions that come with an instruction book. Written inside that book are our instructions. What are they for? They are for our families. They are for our churches. They are for our civil government. Look at our civil government. Look at our churches. Look at our families. They're not where they need to be, are they? See, God has guidelines for all three of these. And people that tell me that the church has no business in government, they're crazy. They've lost their sense of mind. Because a government without God... It's chaos. It's nothing but socialism. It's nothing but humanism. It's nothing but communism because it is a government that is ruled by the people, not by God. God set and established the first government on this earth and it dated all the way back to Adam and Eve. He gave them the rule book. He said, the day that you eat thereof, you shall die. But let me tell you, how sly this is. Satan knew the rule book. He could quote the rule book. A lot of men can't quote the Bible, any of the Bible, not one verse of the Bible. But I want you to know your enemy can. But the problem with your enemy is he distorts the Word of God. He changes the Word of God and uses it, fathers, so he can manipulate your family, so he can manipulate your wife and your children, so he can manipulate you to do whatever he wants to do. I'm going to prove that to you. Satan sought out to reduce God's relationship on humankind, on you and I, man of God. He began by twisting the name of God, and he hasn't quit yet. There's a reason that God is called whom he's got. There's a reason that God does not have just one name. There's a reason that God is the I am and all that is below. One reason. I'm going to show you that now. When Satan went before Eve that day, he caught her off guard. Adam wasn't close enough that he could talk to her. Men, you need to stay close to your wife. The older I get, the closer I stay to my wife. I don't ever know when I'm going to need her more now than ever. You need to stay close to your wife because you are the protector. She's not to protect you. You are to protect her. And when Satan came up and saw Eve, he began to twist the Word of God. One of our greatest problems in the family today is that fathers are twisting the Word of God. They're not clarifying what God says in their leadership in the home. And he came up and as he began to speak to the woman, when he approached Eve, he left out one very important word. You know what it is? Lord. He said, God surely has not said, he left out the Lord. Now you can go, and I see it every day, brother and sister. I I see people when they get upset use God's name in vain. I see people when everything is going good still using God's name in vain. I still see people today that know God and, and they thank God, but they're not living for God. Why? Because the enemy has come in and taken out the Lord of their life. You can call him God, but you can't call him Lord. Satan was telling Eve, 
well, he's God, all right. But, 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 but. How many times do we hear people, but, but. What happened? Indeed, God had said. He didn't question what the Lord had said. He just left the Lord out of it. See, there's a lot of people got God, but they don't have the Lord God. They got the God of society, the God of luxury, the false God, Hinduism, Buddhists. There's a lot of God that man's got, but does man have the right God? When he left out God, you know what he left out when he left out Lord in God? Absolute ruler. The only maker. So he looked at Eve and he said, the only one that could have made you correctly, the only one that is the absolute ruler over the universe, not just the earth, but over the universe, he left all of that out. And when we leave all of that out of our life, we're going to mess up. Because God is more than God. He is the absolute one that's needed in our life. He's the absolute one to make a father what a father ought to be. He's the absolute one to make a mother what a mother ought to be. He's the absolute one to make a man what a man should be. So you can God, 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 God all you want to. But unless you put the Lord God Almighty in there, you've left out the most significant section You've left the master of your life because he's not the master of your life. Because he can't be the master. What is it? You may know of God, but have you accepted him? Then he's not the master of your life. So you can never be that third team player. You can never be that official till Jesus Christ is master of your life. And I promise you, you can have good morals, you can have good standards, but there's a little something still missing in your life. And that little something is big, it's God. Many today call God, but when they call him, they fail to realize his authority. I talk to Christians all the time that really don't know the authority of God. I'm talking about Pentecostal Christians, Charismatic Christians, Baptist Christians. They don't know the authority of God. All power in heaven and earth, Jesus Christ said, was given unto him. And then he transferred that power unto you and I and said that you and I would go out and do greater things because he ascended to heaven. And fathers, I want you to know, it's all found here in verse 21 when it says, the kingdom of God is within you. When Jesus ascended back on high, he said, we're unable to do these things now. It's expedient that I go unto my Father because when I do, I'm going to release the Holy Spirit in your life. And as a sinner, he convicts us of our sins and tells us the need of Jesus Christ in our life. And as a Christian, he gives us the dunamis, the dynamic power that we need and the authority from him. Adam lost that authority. Now listen to something, ladies and men. When God came back, man of God, Father, when God came back down that afternoon looking for Adam and Eve, do you hear him saying, Eve, Eve, where are you? No, you don't, do you? Read your Bible. He says, Adam, Adam, where are you? Do you know why, men, fathers, that he said that? Because God made Adam before he made Eve. And God gave all authority and power and rulership unto Adam and not unto Eve. 
listen to me. God did not blame Eve. He blamed Adam. Don't blame your wife for what you're supposed to do. God's not. If you're not the father to your children, don't blame your wife. I never had to worry about, never in my life that I had to worry about when I did did something wrong. My mama didn't ever say to me, well, when your daddy gets home. My daddy never said, well, I'll let your mama handle this one. I, I remember two spankings in my life. One came from each one of them. They were well enough applied, I never had to have it again. Never. My dad, we were walking one day. Because of time, I want to shorten this. He walked outside to a pecan tree, stripped her down, wore me out because I told him I weren't going to work. I was going to ride a bike out to the story uh, with these, my friends. And then looked right over at those friends of mine and said, Look, boys, you hang around here and I'll fix to give you a little bit of this myself right now. How about it? They cleaned up. <laughs> my friends were gone, but my father was still there. And I appreciate that lesson he gave me that day. I've got the clothes. Adam was given ultimate responsibility. Ultimate responsibility. Not Eve. Fathers, you have been given ultimate responsibility as a leadership position in your families. I thank God for our good fathers. I do. Give them a hand. They're worthy of it. You're worthy, men. You're worthy of that. Because it don't come easy. It doesn't come likely. But God gave you a rule book to govern your family by, your life by, to make decisions, to direct, to guide, to lead, to rule, when rule needs to be given. If your life choice or not, see, God gives you that opportunity. Is that in your life choice? His word will back you up with the authority that you need to carry out every plan that he gives you. And listen, those plans aren't yours. They're his. You no longer belong to yourself. You belong to God. Why do you think Abraham offered up Isaac as a sacrifice? Because he belonged to God. As a man father on the third team, bring heaven's rule on this earth. It's up to you. One, two minutes and I'm closing. Listen to me. As being a man, a father on the third team, bring heaven's rule down to this earth. Look at the cries in America today. It's desperately needed. What does God want with you when your feet hit the floor each morning? He wants you to make the enemy say, oh, my God, he's up. I don't know if I'm permitted to say what Tony Evans said once. I better not, but he was quite interested. I really like that statement. They may cut me on Facebook if I say this and quit streaming, but I better not. When you leave the house, Father, man of God, every morning, will heaven take notice? Will you make an impression on this earth that earth will take notice? Will you scare those that are in hell that they will see that a troublemaker has just entered this earth? Will they take notice? Does your children look up to you? Does your wife support you, man of God, in that which you do? 
does other men look at you and say, oh, I wish I was like him. I wish I was the dad he was. I wish that I was the husband he was. I wish I could make an impact in my community that he does. You can, my friend. It comes through by Jesus Christ. You need to learn what God wants you to do. You need to learn that 21st verse that the kingdom of God lives in you. It's not on the outside. It's not in the church house every Sunday morning. When you lie down at night, it is with you. When you rise in the morning, it is with you. When you go on the job, it is with you. Wherever you are, man of God, wherever you are, you are to be a father always. You are to be a man of God. You are a kingdom builder. You are on the third team. God has made you an official. He's given you an official ruling book. And you can't cheat. Because if you do, you'll be no different than the fans. Right before we commune this morning, I want to say to you, if you're not the father that you need to be, if you're not the man of God that you need to be, the only one that can make a difference in that is you and God. God has already done his part. The remainder is left up to you. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray. If there's somebody here today, God, that's not being the father they should be. If there's a man here today, God, that's in doubt about his relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that this morning that they will pray and ask forgiveness and say, Lord, please give me another opportunity. Let, I want to be one of the officials. I want to play on that third team. I played on that first and second team. And I failed both times. Yes, I, even I, I failed. I want to take the official ruling book. Not the NFL. I want to take the Bible. I want to govern my life and rule my life by it. So I can govern and rule my family by it. So I can be the man that my wife is proud of by it. Yes, I'm saying to you, Lord, this morning, I want to wear the pants in my family. I want to be the man of the house. I want to take up the responsibilities that date all the way back to Adam that you gave to him, that transferred to Abraham, to Job, to Noah, and right on down. Forgive me, Lord, and give me that opportunity now, and I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us this week. We believe his words will establish that confidence within you and direct you for his predestined purpose for your life. See you next week, and don't forget to download our app so you can stay connected with us.